Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void where prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Fellow Falcoholics, what is up? Welcome to another episode of the Falcoholic Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Knight, here to bring you another Falcons 2023 seven-round mock draft here with the NFL Combine officially behind us. We've got all those juicy numbers to break down, all those beautiful spider graphs on Mock Draftable, and all those terrific RAS charts over on RAS.Football, both of which I will be referencing throughout the draft and going forward because athletic testing is important for NFL players. I believe um, Kent LePlatt, who goes by at MathBomb on Twitter, did recently do a a study of it uh, looking at the average athleticism of NFL players and the vast majority of NFL players on rosters are above a seven on the RAS scale. So athleticism is very important, um, which should be obvious, but you know, in a, in a, you would think that average athleticism would be the average NFL player, but really teams are showing that they're favoring the higher end athletes more and more. Um, and it's because of upside, it's because of developmental potential and all of those things that are, we know, so important to NFL teams. And, um, don't ignore the film though. Uh, you know, nobody should move on your board, like hugely over the combine, like unless some crazy stuff happens, you know, some stuff did happen, unfortunately at the top of, uh, you know, the first day of the combine, we'll see what happens there. Um, but ultimately you want to take everything into account, including the athletic testing. And now we have it for basically everyone. Um, there will still be pro days and things like that. So things can change a little bit here and there, but, uh, yeah, now it's just finalizing film grades, doing all that stuff, and we're going to be getting into plenty of that on thefalcoholic.com. We got a lot of folks working on scouting reports for you guys to, to sink your teeth into, but for now, just doing the mock draft. Uh, you'll have to be satisfied with that. We will be making all the picks, and because of Calvin Ridley's reinstatement earlier this week, the Falcons will officially get a fifth-round pick from the Jaguars in the 2023 NFL Draft. That for the record, that's I've been assuming that in all of my mocks, um, so nothing really changes, but it is official now that the Falcons will have that fifth instead of a sixth-round pick. So that's always nice to uh, to get confirmed. Um, you know, this isn't a Ridley-related show, but everyone has asked, so I will briefly say in terms of next year's pick, it's a fourth-rounder if Ridley makes the roster in 2023, which seems like a given. Um, but if he gets cut, then the Falcons get nothing next year. Um the Falcons get a third round pick if Ridley hits various incentives uh, in the contract. Like, I think it's a certain amount of playtime and a certain amount of yardage or, or something like that. And then if Ridley signs a new contract with the Jaguars uh, at any point, then the Falcons get a second round pick in 2024. So those are the, the details of that trade. That'll be more for next year's mock draft. But I, I've been asked about it a lot 
Uh, so I just wanted to clarify that before we jump in. So uh, yeah, without further ado, uh, before we kick it off, guys, just want to remind you to to uh, like and subscribe if you're watching on YouTube. Leave us that five star review if you enjoy the episode on your podcast platform of choice. We really appreciate everyone for doing that. Uh, and you can follow me at Falcoholic Kevin in the show at Falcoholic Live on the Twitters as well. Let's get right into it, guys. Starting with the eighth overall pick in the draft. Um, so I'm going to go in a similar direction to a mock I did, uh, I think, two mocks ago with taking an offensive tackle at eight. Um, previously, I took Paris Johnson Jr. So in the you know efforts to sort of mix it up a little bit, we're going to go with Broderick Jones from Georgia here at eight. Um, and the reason for that is, I think, especially important now that we know that the Falcons will not be franchise tagging Caleb McGarry. There really hasn't been any sort of buzz at all about McGarry getting a new contract with the Falcons, his asking price or expected salary, probably above 15 million. It seems like maybe the Falcons aren't interested in paying that much there. So we could easily see the Falcons with a hole at right tackle now if they do not elect to bring Kayla McGarry back. And while I do think they'll bring somebody in, maybe they just re-signed Jermaine Effetti, who has been a solid starter throughout his career, didn't really get a chance because the Falcons... Uh, had a lot of good luck with their tackle health, and Jermaine Faye didn't even really have to play. But um, I think we, he would have been fine. So bringing him back uh, for for a one-year deal, still a smart decision. But I think given the importance of the run game, given the importance of building a strong offensive line for everything Arthur Smith wants to do and for benefiting your young quarterback in Desmond Ritter or whoever else they may bring in, um, the offensive line needs to be right. And I think... At this point in the draft, you need to come away with a blue chip prospect if you're picking in the top 10, if at all possible. Now, there's some draft classes where there aren't 10 blue chip prospects, so you can't get one in the top 10. But there are prospects in this class that are going to be available here at 8. It's got some nice players. They just might not be the ones that you're used to seeing mocked to the Falcons. Um, You know, in this scenario, uh, Will Anderson and Jalen Carter went, of course, you know, early in the top four. Then we saw Tyree Wilson go five and Christian Gonzalez go six. So those are all the guys that I'd have at the top of my list for the Falcons defensive players. I'm still leaning that direction overall. But if those guys are gone, the blue chip guys that are left, in my opinion, are the two tackles uh, in Broderick Jones and Paris Johnson Jr. I'd be happy with either one. I won't argue with anyone that has one over the other. For me personally, probably going to land on Paris Jones as my top tackle. The length is so absurd. I think he has a tremendous ceiling. He's a little bit cleaner in terms of his technique than Broderick Jones. Um, But look, Broderick Jones is an elite run blocker with really, really good athleticism like outstanding athleticism he did uh finish i believe with a really high ras i think he was like sixth in terms of all offensive tackles and it was in the high nine so um his ceiling is is just as high if not higher than paris johnson's uh and he's already that really high level run blocker we know the falcons do care about that a lot given their emphasis on the run game so i won't argue with anyone that has jones ahead of Paris Johnson, and I wouldn't be shocked if the Falcons went with Jones over Paris Johnson either. Um, so you bring in Broderick Jones. Uh, hopefully he is your starting right tackle this year, but he's played left tackle uh, extensively. So this is a guy that I think you can shift over to left tackle in two to, two to three seasons when Jake Matthews is ready to hang him up, um, you know, or, or you're ready to move on from Matthews at that point. So he could be a guy that does eventually become your left tackle 
uh, which shouldn't be a surprise given, you know, he's a, a blue chip. These are both blue chip tackles, in my opinion. So I think that's a really strong investment in the top 10, always getting those premier positions like an offensive tackle there. Uh, I think it's very worth it, in my opinion. The only other blue chip guy, I think, at this point that is going to be in consideration um, is probably like Bijan Robinson. And I know people don't want to hear that. I will do a mock with Bijan at some point because I, I do want to emphasize that I, I think there's a non-zero chance that it happens, but um, I would generally lean towards one of those top defenders if somebody falls and they could, uh, they just didn't in this particular scenario um, or the offensive tackles. That's sort of where I landed with that first round pick generally get the best player there and then fill your needs, you know, later on, if you can, um, don't reach for like a Miles Murphy, a Lucas Van Ness. I just don't think those guys are top 10 players. They could be eventually, uh, that high level of, of an, like edge rushers. But to me, they're not there yet, not over these top tackles or, or even Bijan, um, which is probably going to make some people angry, but that's just my opinion. So, um, you know, nothing wrong with being, uh, against it. But uh, Bijan is really good. If you haven't watched this tape, go watch it and see and, and come back to me and tell me how you feel. Uh, <laughs> but uh, moving on to the second round, pick forty-four. Going to take a quick quick sip here. Pick forty-four in the second round. Uh, the Falcons here at forty-four. I think it's really important that they just take a look at the board and see who falls. Um, this point in the second round, there's a really good chance you're going to be able to get one of those like fringe first round guys who just happen to fall. I would not feel boxed in to picking for need here. Um, I think they should be flexible. I think Darnell Washington is a name that should be in consideration here. You know, there's been some buzz that Michael Mayer, the Notre Dame tight end might fall. He would also be someone I would consider here, you know, do one of the top receivers fall. I'm less interested in that, honestly, at this point. Um, Do one of the top edges fall? Do one of the top corners fall? Whoever is the best looking highest ranked player on your board. I think they should feel like they can go get that guy, maximize their value. And in this scenario, uh, Maryland corner Deontay Banks was the corner that fell out of the first round. It has varied quite a bit in recent mocks with, with which guys go and which guys don't. But um, Banks at this point would, would be a steal, right? Uh, absolute crazy athlete, uh, finished with a 9.99. So uh, very close to being one of the most he is one of the most athletic corners of all time, you know, according to his combine testing. Um, measured in well, six foot one ninety seven, hit a four three five in the 40, uh, 40, 42 inch vertical and eleven foot four inch broad jump. That's just absurd numbers. And for me talking about his athleticism, you might think, oh well, you know, Banks is probably like a raw corner, right? No, like honestly, Banks is one of the more consistent corners on tape. I don't consider myself like a cornerback expert terms of all the, the variances and technique coverage and that sort of thing but he looks very sticky he's very physical I think he's pretty comfortable playing off playing press playing all over the place uh, I don't really think there's anything he can't do and he's clearly an elite athlete has that that CB1 ceiling doesn't have the like most outstanding length compared to like a Christian Gonzalez or Joey Porter but it's definitely good enough to be an outside corner um, there's not really a limitation there per se um the big thing with him and why he might not go as early as the other guys is he just doesn't, he's not really a ball hawk. He does get his hands on a lot of passes. He just doesn't catch any of them. Um, I think he has two career interceptions. So he, he also did have a season ending injury in 2021, which he came back from and had a great year in 2022. So I'm not super concerned about that, but it's worth mentioning. Um, but yeah, I mean, Banks and Terrell would be outstanding on the outside. Um, this is a super, super deep corner class. 
I do think um, if they miss out on like Gonzalez at the top, they would be wise to see if one of a, one of the guys that's like a fringe first rounder, and there's a lot of them, um, does fall to 44, pick that up, you know, fill one of the most important positions on your defense across from Terrell and really help uh, bring that secondary up to where it needs to be. Uh, you know, you throw Jesse Bates or CJ Gardner-Johnson in the mix, and now we're cooking with gas, right, in terms of the secondary. And it's just a lot closer to being ready than the front seven. So to me, I do sort of lean towards maybe if the value is correct, right? I mean, if there's a great edge that falls out of the first, then then sure. But um, I think the secondary help here is, is going to be important for the Falcons. Um, moving to the third round, uh, pick 75. A familiar face here in uh, defensive tackle Keanu Benton. Um, Benton could go earlier. I think it's it's likely that he could go anywhere in the second or third round. One of the somewhere in there. I don't really know. So if he does end up falling to seventy five, I'd I'd scoop him up for sure. Um, you know, you guys have heard me talk about him on previous mocks. He's really athletic. He can play nose. He can play all all along the defensive front. Um, looked really good at the Senior Bowl. Was the best uh, interior guy there, and. I just think he's he's a good player. Um, you know, he didn't quite like blow the doors off the combine. He's not like a Dontari Poe level guy or anything like that, which is why he might you know fall into day two a little little bit. Um, I think he's really good. I think he could be a good starter um, as a third round pick, and the Falcons need those interior reinforcements in a big way. So I, I would be really happy to come away with with Benton there at pick seventy five, um, round four, pick one ten, first fourth round pick. Uh, sticking with the trenches here, uh, going with one of the players that I like on day two that happened to fall. Um, and that's uh, interior offensive lineman Steve Avila from TCU. Uh, really, my one question with Avila was, is he athletic enough for the wide zone? At the Senior Bowl, I was pretty encouraged by watching him do some of that stuff. I thought he looked like he moved fine. Um, and then at the Combine, tested out, well, uh, seven six seven RAS, above average speed and agility testing. Clearly he's athletic enough to do it. I don't think he's going to be a Lindstrom level athlete out there or something like that. So don't expect that. But I do think he also, he did do this at 333, which is huge. Um, it's been rumored that he's, you know, been open to, to dropping some weight if he goes to his own scheme team. And that should only help with that. Um, so I, I'm, I'm a big fan of Avila. I think he really impressed at the senior bowl. The athletic box got checked for me. And I would probably have him slim down to like 320. Um, and, you know, he could play center and guard. Played mostly center at TCU, but played guard at the Senior Bowl. Looked great. Um, so I, I think he can. you can slot him in at left guard, slot him in at center, wherever he wins. Um, and I, I, I think this is a tremendous value here, too. Again, this is another guy that could go earlier, and that's going to be a theme here. A lot of the guys that could go in the third round will be around at the fourth. That's how it goes. Like some guys go earlier, some guys go later. So um, if he does happen to fall here, I would scoop him up. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if he goes, you know, before pick 110. Uh, but a good value here if he, if he does fall. Um, next fourth round pick, similar story. Uh, another guy that didn't quite, well, well, it's Tyler Scott from Cincinnati, um, first of all. A guy that was getting some like day two buzz, um, there were rumors that he was going to run in the high four twos, um, and people were really buzzing about him being potentially the fastest receiver in the class. And that didn't end up happening. Um, Tyler Scott ran a four four four, which you might think that's like slow uh, compared to what some people are running, but honestly, that's still really fast. It's like almost eighty uh, eighth percentile 
and, and speed for a wide receiver. So like, it's still really, really fast. So he's, he's definitely still a good deep threat, but didn't um, hit that like crazy high 40. So I, I think that does push him down the board a little bit, considering that he's just 5'10", 177 on the smaller side. Did have some really good explosiveness testing. Uh, 39 and a half inch vert at 5'10 is nuts. 11 foot one broad jump. So Scott's a terrific athlete, really explosive. Um, and he's got plenty of deep speed. And and the thing that you can't really put a number on is that connection with Desmond Ritter that already exists. So I would sprint to the podium to get Scott if he's still here. Uh, in the fourth round, again, another guy that could easily go in the third round. Um, but, you know, some of these guys are going to fall, especially receivers, because there's a lot of them on, on day two, especially in that late day two range in consideration. Um, and I would love to, to reunite Ritter and Scott. I think that makes a lot of sense to get for the Falcons to get a guy in here that's familiar uh, to help him hit the ground running faster. Um, and I, I think Scott does have that good profile of a, a, Z, a speed Z receiver that has that maybe that wide receiver two upside. Um, and this is a deep receiver group. So I think you might be able to find that guy on day th- on, on early on day three. If you're, if you're patient and you sort of pick the right one for your system, and I think that could be Tyler Scott. So, um, moving on to the fifth round pick, we have to take an edge at some point, right? It's a great edge class. Um, they, they need to come away with one of these edge guys. Um, but I, I think the fifth round is probably the longest they can wait to get like one of the. I would say like legit prospects that actually have starting upside, which is nuts that you could still get that at pick 161. But um, one of the last ones on the board was Ole Miss uh, edge Tavius Robinson, who is rough around the edges, a uh, bit of a tweener right now. But I think he he has a lot of potential. 6'6", 257, tested out really well. I believe he had 8.76 RAS. Um, looks more like that 4-3 end, right? Uh, that bigger frame. The Falcons don't really have that. I think they could really use a base end, like a five-tech guy. Um, and Tavius Robinson just moves super well. Very explosive. Uh, much better, like, lateral mobility uh, bend than you would expect for someone that big. And the length, it, it stands out. Um, he just doesn't defend the run super well. Uh, he's he's on the lighter side, right, at 6'6". Six, six. You'd probably want him to be at least 265, 270. Um, so I think there's going to be some work required to get him there. Um, but I think like the traits are all there. Um, the pass rushing, which you can't really, you know, you can't teach that, that sort of speed. He's got those traits to be a starting caliber edge rusher. He just needs to get the run defending set. He needs to improve his technique a bit, um, and, and just gain a little good weight. Uh, And I, I think he could, he could get there. So, um, you know, we need to develop him, right? He's not going to be a ready product, like ready product day one. But hopefully, after we've hired Ryan Nielsen, we can actually develop some of these defensive linemen and not just pray that uh, they're a finished product when they get here. So um, hopefully, that is the case with Octavius Robinson. I like the value there. Uh, the Falcons do get one of these good edge rushers in this really, really deep edge rushing class. Um, last two picks are the seventh rounders. Uh, and, and at this point, you're just looking to get guys that are that have some kind of upside that can do something for you. Um, maybe you have a connection to that makes them more appealing. Um, and the first one we're going to go with is one of the combine winners, uh, Louisville linebacker, Yasir Abdullah at pick 226. Uh, interesting guy. I didn't really, I hadn't really seen him at all before the combine, but, uh, looking at it, it, he tested out super well, right? I think he had like a 947 RAS, ran a 447 at six foot two thirty seven, which is really, really good for a linebacker. Um, elite explosiveness testing, really tremendous athlete. The thing is, at six foot two thirty seven, 
he played edge. Like he played almost entirely edge for Louisville. Uh, and that's just not something he's going to be able to do in the NFL. Maybe he could have some strong side linebacker sort of reps where he lines up on the line of scrimmage and does stuff like that. He is a really talented pass rusher for that size. Uh, I think he had like nine and a half, eight and a half sacks this last year. He's, he's really explosive. Uh, so he's got that pass rushing upside. I think he could be a, a demon as a blitzer. Uh, but he just hasn't played off-ball linebacker much, and that's going to take time to teach that. Uh, doesn't really have experience in coverage. Hasn't really done a good job at taking on blockers, which is not surprising when he's taking on offensive tackles, six foot, 237. Um, but look, I mean, uh, this is a guy that I think has really high upside, um, really athletic, and the Falcons do need linebacker help. And I think you can afford to stash him for a year uh, and have him as a designated pass rusher, maybe a pass rushing specialist like Blitzer. And I think he could play special teams for you and do a great job. So um, no qualms whatsoever about adding that potential uh, at pick 226. I mean, if you could get that good of, of an athlete that late, just take a shot. Uh, just take a shot on on him. Instead of trying to get him in as an undrafted free agent, which is going to be a whole mess, I'm sure, with, with a lot of teams interested in someone that athletic. So... Final pick of the draft, round seven, pick 247, getting close to the end here uh, of the entire draft. So, you know, those of us that are doing a live show will probably be very annoyed uh, with with the Falcons picking at 247. So maybe they'll make some sort of trade and, and package these sevens for like a, a sixth or something like that uh, to, to spare us having to watch the draft this long. But um, going with another familiar face for Desmond Ritter. A guy that tested out well, just was completely outshined by everybody else in his position. Uh, and that's tight end Josh Wiley from Cincinnati, like I said. Um, Wiley just looks like a solid tight end. Um, and that's why he's going the seventh round. I think this is a guy that probably get drafted early on day three most years. But in this tight end class, uh, where Wiley ran an 8.86 RAS, he's like not even in the top, you know, 8, 10 tight ends in terms of his athletic score which is completely crazy um so he's just kind of been outshined kind of been forgotten um you know I I think he's got good size uh, I think he's a work in progress as a blocker but he did have an actual I think this is the first year really in 2022 where he looked like a good blocker like a plus um so I think he's been working really hard to get there um he's continued to put on good weight uh and I, I think he's just a really rock solid tight end two prospect, tight end three prospect. He did run that four six nine, just the same speed as Michael Mayer. Um, over six four, like six four and a half, got that size, got that arm length. Um, and he had some good explosive testing too. So don't really I think he's got good hands. Um, I think he's a solid just a solid tight end, and he's got the connection with Desmond Ritter. So give Ritter a familiar face, right? Um and, and it's the Falcons may keep as many as five tight ends. That's what they did last year. Um, I think Wiley provides a lot more blocking ability than Felipe Franks, obviously not quite as high an athletic ceiling, but, uh, you know, if the Falcons don't bring back Michael Pruitt, they'll need more help there. I, I still hope they do certainly, but, um, I think it's, it's a good low cost addition. Make sure you get him. Don't risk him as an undrafted free agent and, uh, you know, see what you can get. Um, have him compete with John Fitzpatrick last year's final pick. Um, and see who comes out the victor, and maybe he's a practice squad stash uh, as as depth. But hey, pick two forty seven guys, uh, a guy that I think could probably make the roster and and and, per, and be a good fit for this Falcons team that needs a lot of tight ends. They need so many tight ends. Uh, so 
yeah, that's it, guys. Those are the picks for the Falcons. Uh, let me know what you think in the comments. Uh, share your own mocks as well. You can do so on the site, uh, thefalcoholic.com. Leave them in the comments. Appreciate everyone tuning in. Uh, like I said, if you want to help us out, you can like and subscribe on YouTube. Click that little bell for notifications when stuff goes live. Uh, leave us that five-star review on your podcast platform of choice. Uh, give the show a follow at Falcoholic Live. You can follow me at Falcoholic Kevin. And check out the Patreon too, uh, patreon.com slash Falcoholic Live. If you want to support us on a monthly basis, get access to ad-free early editions of all the podcast episodes. And of course, check out the community Discord server. Uh, link is in the show description. Come chat with us. Come hang out. Uh, it's, it's a good time. We've got over 500 Falcons fans in there now. So uh, it, it's it's lively. <laughs> it's lively. I'll say that. Uh, it's a lot of fun, though, interacting with you guys. So check that out, too. Again, guys, thank you so much. We'll talk to you next time. Uh, we'll be back. I'll have another episode on Monday, breaking down the prior- priority re-signings for the Falcons uh, before free agency hits. Legal tampering starts Monday. Uh, and then free agency itself kicks off Wednesday and we'll have Falcoholic live for you guys Wednesday night at 8 PM Eastern to hopefully break down some, some good news, some positive news there. So until next time, guys, thank you so much for watching the Falcoholic podcast. I'll see you next time. Have a great day.